Welcome to Hot Plate, the conversations you should be having about your food and drink. I'm your host, Mirella Amato. Today on the Hot Plate, the vegetarian solution and pouring problems. On Weird Widget, a gadget near and dear to Canadians. And on Curious Kitchen, cheers to getting funky! So, Joshna, what did you bring for us today? Uh, I have brought something that is uh, a bit contentious, potentially. Okay. But it's something that I have really, I'm really steeped in it, and I have some strong opinions about it. Okay. And this is um, making space for vegans and vegetarians uh, from a menu and a dining perspective. Okay. Right? So as a chef, we plan events, we plan menus. There is no question. We always imagine... 10, 15 percent is is vegetarian. Really? We make that. We make that option. We have to have a veg option. Mm -hmm. Um, And recently, we've had to go deeper to make vegan things, gluten-free things, and dairy-free things. Those are sort of the biggest. And then occasionally some nut anaphylaxis will creep in there, right? There's always somebody. There's always something. (laughs) Um, But really, the motivation behind all of this is Mm -hmm. about inclusion, Yes. Right. It mm-hmm. is about making everybody feel even at the table. Right. And and so that there's a there's a substantial legitimate meal for everybody, regardless of their limitation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that is and that's fine. This is we do it. We know how to do it. It works. Yeah. Right. But what I am noticing mm-hmm. is um, is that I still it feels crazy to me to, to go to restaurants or even right now I'm in the middle of teaching chef students. Yes. And seeing the curriculum that we have. It, that we have these meat heavy menus still seem to persist. Right. Right. And it, it's perhaps most dangerous to me that this is how we're teaching young chefs to cook. Mm-hmm. Right. And and when I when I came back from class this past week, I thought to myself, I'm like, we have to make a shift because vegetarianism, like an inclusion of vegetarian and vegan eating, needs to be less about just a sort of polite inclusion thing and right. more about a like environmental responsibility thing. Right. right? It, I feel like we need to point to meat heavy menus as being a bit reckless. Well, right. Yeah. And, and let's not even get into the oceans. Right. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. This pound of shrimp, boil a shrimp, oh all. We can't. It makes it, me cry. It's irresponsible to open those restaurants. Yep. Right. If you don't have, if like, because listen, I see the trucks who are pulling up to the front. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what meat that is and where it's coming from. And it's yeah. not a happy cow that just had one bad day. Right. Right. That's not what's happening. It's still it's another funnel for more feedlot meat. Right. But is vegetarian meal a, the solution really there? I, that's a concern for me because, okay, tell me. Um, you know, vegetarianism is a very sort of strict way of eating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a style of eating that some people have embraced, but that is not one that most people uh, are interested in. And, and many people who aren't vegetarians still want to eat less meat and still want to save the planet, but right. can't fit into this very strict ideal. And also reinforcing that notion that vegetarian eating is the, you know, the only way to have an impact hmm. when the rest of the population that is not vegetarian should be cutting down on their meat. Right. right? And I feel like you know, including more vegetables in meals in general and maybe not being so concerned if is it vegetarian or not. You know, it's okay to slap in some bacon. It's okay to have a little bit of meat and a lot of vegetables. Mm. I think a more moderate approach. I don't know. To me, that, to that just seems meals, more helpful. As opposed to sort of isolating yeah. a few separate 
oh, this is a challenge. It's like, do you want to be a horrible person or do you want to be a vegetarian? <laughs> right, right. You know, for many right. of or us you now, be those normal, are the options on the or menu. Do you wanna, right? The other piece is, do you want to be normal or do you want to be this freako vegan? Right. Okay. Right? Yeah. There's the, the the other side of it all. Uh, but you, but I you see know, what you're saying. Reason, about if you don't care about the environment, this is your meal. Right. That's sort of <laughs> right, how it looks. Right. Right. You know. Right. And there are way more people on this planet who are meat meat eaters and care about the environment than right. there are vegetarians on the planet, right. just statistically. Right. So right, I just right, feel right. that um, having a more rounded menu in general, and you know encouraging people to eat less meat and to have other or you know have less meat proportionally on their plate is just uh okay, i think a more is, you've, moderate you've posed solution a curious challenge now because now i am cur- i am trying to think about logistically mm-hmm. right how we how right. we pull that off with all of the accommodations and the tables and the you know what i mean and the service and all of that but I, I think it's worth figuring out, but the no, like it's it's a slightly more radical notion that maybe everybody is just going to eat less meat. Yes, right. Yes, oh, Marilla, like that's what, what we need. Sometimes you just want a little bacon on your Brussels sprouts. You do, you, know? you do, you do. But but the service person inside of me is like, keep the Brussels sprouts clean. Right. Right. That way Keep can them also with no meat because they can meal. go with the, we can go, yeah, they can go in more places. Right. Um, but what if what if we really just rethought the whole notion? And 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 as we said before, uh, where we had meat on the plate, uh, starch and then veg as some sort of funny garnish. Mm-hmm. What if we flipped it around? Right. Which is how we're supposed to eat. Veg, I know uh, the veg is the main attention and meat as a bit of a garnish. And I do I do think that there is something around re-understanding. Uh, our menu planning that starts with what's the hunk of meat? Yes, right. I re- yeah. I think that that is sort of head in the sand, kind of irresponsible, not reading the scenario of the world, right? And let me ask you this: you know, as a professional in the yeah. industry, is it that much more expensive to have a more vegetable heavy plate with a bit with you know less starch and a bit less meat? Uh, it's no, not at all. I don't understand where, fact, where the issue is. In fact, it's often less expensive. So, we all know that the biggest expense on the plate is the animal protein. What's the problem? Right? It Creativity, pushing back against tradition, right? Again, we're talking about how chefs are trained. Yeah. Chefs are trained to, even the menu was written, it's da-da-da-da-da, cote de boeuf, avec les da-da-da, you know, all these other right. things. It is flank steak with, it is roasted chicken with. Yeah. No one ever says... Uh, fluffy, beautiful heirloom mashed potatoes right. Right, with a side of marinated chicken. All right, so let's just let's just talk about this whole protein thing. Yes, right, because whenever we talk about reducing meat, mm-hmm. people lose their minds, and we get the big eyes, and people are like, "But what about your protein? Where are you going to get your protein?" Yes, uh, there's two important things to say. First is there are many, many sources of protein that are not animal based, mm-hmm. uh, and second. Uh, I think we all have a bit of an excessively inflated notion of how much protein we do, in fact, need to eat. I have seen steaks that should not. I don't even understand how one person can finish that thing. Right. It's not healthy. It's not good for your system. Your body cannot break that down. Uh, And at that stage, you know, then you're really harming the environment. Right, these, because there, uh, there's large. a sort of gluttonous excess happening yes. there, right? Because yes. that's just about your mouth, mm-hmm. right? That has nothing to do with what's good and for your body. And maybe the showmanship? I, I don't, suppose. Do you think there's a showman? Or, I'm not like I, a steakhouse is, gal. But. No, there is because it's like you have to sign a waiver, 
right? And right. you get your photo on the wall once you have conquered the thing, yes. right? Yes, that it exists. It is a very, right? It's and that's very, always meat, isn't it? Because they do that with chicken wings and too, a burger. with burgers. Right? It's all, it's conquering the beast you in fact have already conquered. We need to conquer like a vegetable. I would I win love, that competition. Oh my I'd God. Love, I'm just going to tell what you now. What would it be? I would like, win that competition. What, what would it be? I love this. <laughs> I feel like I can't wait to come back to you with my menu talking about the vegetables as the main event with with a side of a little shaved beef or something like yeah, that. Because how much That's, protein do you really need? No, not, it's not, not as much as we think. No. Right? We get a little crazy about it. But the truth is uh, there are plenty other delicious non-animal connected protein sources that will do just fine. Like uh, mealworms? <laughs> have you been thinking about those? I have been thinking <laughs> that I don't have enough things stuck in my teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but really, I mean, look, I come from a, tradi- a tradition of people that have been happily vegetarian for right. many thousands of years. Uh, and it works. For sure. Uh, not eating, you know what I mean? Just not consum- not consuming the meat. So I, I, I have this history and experience of the fact that like, it's and do, very viable. But do they viable. not consume meat ever? No. Milk they do. Okay. But no no meat. That's amazing. With, with major diligence. But we're also like the lentil eaters, right? Beans yes. and lentils and all those other beautiful protein sources play mm. in. So nobody is, there's no deficiency happening at all. No, of course. Right. Um, and so, uh, so my, my, my. So chef mean, school was good for you then because you needed to learn. I needed to learn how to cook meat. A hundred percent. And my friends yes. were just like, who used to coming to my house for curries and, you yes. know, and Indian food. They, when they'd see me with my pork chops and my Dude. pot roast. Yeah. They were like, this was not what we had in mind. Just offended for by you. your steak. They were just like, Joshua, no, what happened? It was super, super funny. Yeah. I think if anyone can solve this riddle, though, it's going to be you. Thanks. I'm on it. Okay. The topic I have brought in today, yes. Joshna, I think um, is going to maybe make you a little cranky. Okay, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Uh, it's right up your alley. All right. Uh, in terms of your pet peeves. Right. So it is this new system that has come out. It's been out for a few years, but uh-huh. it's starting to get widely adopted in the U.S. Thankfully, it's not here yet. Right. Uh, and it's called Pour My Beer. So okay. the notion is uh, instead of having a bar with uh-huh. a bartender um, and, you know, no regular service, yeah. they're making, you know, life a lot easier for the consumer. And empowering the consumer by giving them a wall of beer taps. And then you go to the cashier, you fill a card with, I don't know, 10 ounces of beer, 20 ounces of beer, whatever you want. You grab your glass and then you just tap whichever tap you want and you pour yourself your own beer. And however many ounces you pour, that's what you get charged for. So you can go right down the line and just have a splash of each or you can, uh, you know, pour yourself a whole pint to something up to you. It's just you and this wall of taps. So um, this wow. has become a, a bit of a thing. It's considered to super convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have many issues with it. Um, there's the obvious issues, like how do you make sure you're not over-serving people? Right. Uh, if there's no human being to check that. My understanding is that you do go back and reload your card every once in a while. But with but a human or at some sort with of a kiosk? Human, with a human. But, you know, what's stopping, if I'm a little tipsy, I can give you my card to reload. No one's, nothing's... You know, totally. You know, or if, if I'm taking the like group that. out for drinks one night and I'm going to pay the bill for everybody, yeah. you can't really control consumption, right? No, uh, unless everyone needs their own card, in which case you've just that's I would argue more trouble than, yeah, than, than ordering a at a bar with right, a human being. Right. right. So there's that issue. Uh, the other piece, which um, you know, from a beer perspective. Mm-hmm. 
from a beer service perspective yeah. is really distressing to me is, you know, a bartender will generally use a fresh glass every time. Right. Um, and there are way too many people out there still dipping the nozzle in their beer. So just the thought that I don't know if I can trust that oh, someone is going to pour their yeah. own pint. Yep. They're not going to drink that whole thing and then just go refill it. Yep. Stick it in the nozzle. Well, what you're the, saying the is hygiene that there side. is, in fact, some craft to pouring a pint of beer. Not to mention. It's not just about opening the tap. Yeah. Oh, no. It's right? very complicated. There's an angle. There's Then what happens when someone taps their thing, the charge gets deducted from their card, but they pour themselves a glass full of head. Right. I hadn't even thought of that. That what could happen. Then? You know someone is going to complain and they're yeah. going to be like, can I get another thing? I need a proper beer. And there goes their whole theory about how it's cost saving because they're they're measuring every ounce, right? Right. And who are people actually complaining about how long it takes at a bar to get a drink from a human? I don't think so. I don't think so. But uh, I've the never, piece I've never and, thought to myself. Yeah. I just wish there was a tap. I had one experience there was this bar in Italy where their whole thing is you have to wait for good beer and they purposefully make people wait. Okay. Uh, and that was a little frustrating. That but that feels was a philosophy. On brand with Italy though. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one. I am half Italian. Um, so I, I know, could comment But take fully. a good time. Yes. No rush, right? Oh, no rush. Take no the time. Rush. No, no rush. Listen, I come from a no rush population myself. My favorite thing ever in Italy yeah. was I was um, at the post office one day in a huge lineup and someone joined the teller behind uh, the counter and brought them a coffee and the two of them have a shared a yeah, coffee yeah, and yeah, yeah. a chat in front of yes, the entire yes. lineup. <laughs> Just yes, I've had that happen. Oh my goodness! Right, and but we I digress. Equal parts admire, admiration, and rage. Yeah, and and that uh, right? post office on a side note closed before I was able to get to the front of the line. I didn't get <laughs> anyway. That was my first Be day like living that, there, yeah. and yeah, uh, yeah I, I adapt. You know, there's something to be said about a slower pace. But however, uh, I don't think that this is where this is. No. Right, this the 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 notion that you would want to just go and pour your own beer it I it doesn't make any sense to me. My other question is, is the beer cheaper without the labor cost? Well, so that's a big right? issue, right? Is it more uh, because, convenient for the customer or cheaper I for think, the venue? I think the yep. insinuation here mm -hmm. is that it, the the labor, the carrying the labor, was just too much, which is why we've reverted to this now very innovative you know, in quotes, system, mm -hmm. but will that pint be any cheaper? I don't know. Right? That's is, an excellent I'm very question. curious And the uh, other piece, of course, of uh, you know, that I thought about immediately with you is where's the service? Uh, totally. What if I have a question about one of these beers? Yep. Uh, what, yep. I'm going to ask the wall? Yeah. Or if I don't like something, Yeah. right? Or if I'm like, oh, this was actually much hoppier than I like. Okay. And this is not new technology. Oh. There have been bars right. where um, the beer was counted at the tap, and that was short-lived because it doesn't allow anyone to give samples. It doesn't allow for error. It doesn't allow for foam, things like right. that. So it didn't really work out. Um, I don't know. Is it, I posted this on my social media, yeah. and the number I, my number one concern was the hygiene. It's just gross sure. meal. I do not trust people to pour their own beers. Yep. I just don't. Uh, people are gross. People are gross. By default, people Especially are gross. a couple of beers in, right? People are gross except for the beautiful people listening to this podcast. That's true. That's, they would probably use a new glass. Oh, they know time. how to do it, clearly. But the number one re response on my social media was service. What, what if I have a yep. question? Mm -hmm. And for me, 
beer is a social beverage. Yes. And if I'm out for a pint on my own, I'm going to sit at the bar. Right. I'm going to chat really, with the bartender. And really, don't go to a bar if you actually don't want to talk to anybody. Right. Just buy yourself some beer and drink at home. Exactly. For real. Like, honestly, it's, uh, what's the point? It's problematic. Right. Never mind for that population of people for whom the bartender is the therapist. Yes. What are we going to do about those people? Pouring beer is, it's not rocket surgery, yeah. but there is a skill to it. So I'm assuming that these lines are in perfect condition, right? Because sure. the number one thing you have to be careful of with uh, with draft is how the lines are set up. Uh-huh, but assuming uh-huh. everything is in balance. And is that, that's a bacteria thing? Um, it's definitely a bacteria okay. thing. So if the lines aren't clean, there can be an accumulation of uh, calcium deposits right. in the line, and that causes foaming, um, also off notes. Sure. But also the pressure. The pressure that's on the beer, okay. if the pressure and is too high, also, right, it'll right, shoot right. out. Okay. Um, if it's too low, it'll eventually degas the beer. There's okay. issues like that. Let's just assume all that is Fine. perfectly balanced okay. because the system is meant to be foolproof. Right. When you're pouring a beer, you want to start on an angle so that right. uh, you're not know, bursting right? out the foam. And then you slowly straighten the glass right. up. Right. Very simple. It does require focus and attention, though. Obviously, if you're a bartender, it doesn't require focus and attention. It's autopilot. Yeah. But, you know, I'm hanging out with a friend. I turn on the tap. Oops. I shot it right down the middle. Now it's bursting out foam. Yeah. And you're done. Like, you can't pour onto foam. It's just going to create more foam. You can't adjust at that stage. New glass, start fresh. Or, you know, drink it and go back in, which is probably what people will do, which is gross. Right. Everything um, comes back to gross. It's not it's not it's not difficult, but you do have to do it right. And if you're not used to it, it does require some attention and focus, which I'm guessing is not happening when everyone's chatting and, oh, should I try this or should I try that? Oh, try this. And uh, I don't know. It's just we're really rife with problems, potential problems Ooh. and double dipping. Ooh. Yuck. So they did have some interesting applications. So these this is being adopted here and there. Yeah, and yeah. one of the things they did mention that I thought, well, they mentioned two things. One that I thought was a horrible idea, which is that music, uh, music events to just have that wall there. Oh God. So the, the hygiene alert Whose is the full idea on was there. That? Someone who's still at a keg party. That is bad. Clearly. Wow. But what they said oh that God, I thought was good idea. is a hotel at a hotel. So, you know, you're just staying somewhere and you feel like a beer. You can just pop down sort of like the ice machine or the, uh, you know, okay. like the Coke dispenser. Right? In room taps. Mm-hmm. Maybe put three or four oh. in there. If you don't want any beer, that's fine. That's if you do, just would have a little People would pay a premium nip. on their room rate for that. No? You don't have to have a full pint. Yeah. You know, just grab a little bit. It wow. would work in that context. It's time for Weird Widgets. Weird Widgets. And I have a very specific widget for you. Amazing. I'm so excited. I saw it in the store. I recognized it right away. My grandmother had one. I okay. knew what it was. Yeah. But it's, I think it's a thing that either you you know it or you don't. Or you don't. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Oh, I know exactly what this thing is. And you do? I love seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm delighted. Is it magnetic too? It is not. That is this one's failing. Oh, so what this we're is looking like, at. I feel like only Canadians know what this thing is, right? right? Oh. So what I've pulled out, I would describe, it looks almost like a really chubby question mark. It is like a chubby plastic question mark. Uh, but f- uh, flat uh-huh. and with a little blade. There's like a bit of a hook the in the bottom. Yes. Right? The question marky piece. If, we, if you imagine the round bit is at the bottom. And in the in the sort of elbow mm-hmm. of the question mark is a little blade. Yes. 
Oh, so I much nostalgia I know exactly what in it's one for. little item. Um, I love this so much. Uh, I know. Do we let the cat out of the bag? Do yes. we tell them? Do we tell them? Mm-hmm. So this is a milk bag opener, slicer. Indeed. Right? Yep. Uh, and milk bags are huge in Canada. Indeed. Um, I did some research, though. Yeah. Interestingly, also the main way to consume milk in Israel or to sell milk huh. in Israel. And there's a few other countries where it is a thing. It's not necessarily a common thing. Okay. But it exists. And I thought that was interesting because I certainly always had the notion well, that it was we... just us. Yeah. And um, what's our story with it? Why, why have we been so consciously no carton? I know. With the milks. What is it with this? Well, um, the bags initially, I think, came out because they were uh, a, a lighter weight and less yes. breaking than the yep, more glass. More trustable. Than oh, the glass. Right. And, you know, I think other countries probably moved towards the, is it called Tetra Pak? Whatever the carton. The carton um, uh, and the potential of the plastic bottle I saw yeah. in lots of Asia. And we did, but we didn't let go of our plastic. No. And so you need one of these. No one is going to pull out a pair of scissors. You need this thing with a magnet on the side of the fridge. For sure. To deal with it, right? Just like you need that jug. Well, I have two kinds of scissors in my house. I have the, you know, this the all-purpose scissors, which I don't know where they're bitten. I'm yeah. not going to open the milk bag with that. Right. And then I have my food scissors, yeah. which I'm not really going to use no. on the plastic. So no, this is the, that nice sort it of really in-between device. But then I got to thinking that this is a very specific purpose. Can we use it around the house beyond that? Oh. So I brought a few things. Oh. I know this slices open uh, milk bags. So oh, what are the here other? we go. I'll let you do the honors. This <gasps> is a vacuum sealed prosciutto of end. Of course. Do you want to see if it works? Oh, I'm so excited. Because if it does, then this should be a huge thing. There oh, are so many things thing. that need opening. Okay. So we have this vac sealed hunk of beautiful prosciutto. I like that they do this. Yep. Shout out to Chester the end. Yeah. <gasps> with like such ease and success like that was effortless amazing so there you go vacuum seal Perfect. i also brought a pack of crackers oh oh okay See? okay does it work there Look at uh, that. And, and a cooperative opportunity like a charm right you held yeah. it open i did the slice and now we have uh, crackers and prosciutto. Oh, That's not a bad thing. <laughs> not a bad thing at all. I love that. I think we need to bring this gadget back. We should bring this thing back. How great. I'm just, what else could we do? Mm, the oh possibilities are endless. I'm trying, I will, oh yeah. There's lots of, oh, I love this. It needs a magnet though. This it does a need a fail. magnet. It but does for need $1. a magnet. But for $1. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. I remember this as perhaps the first kitchen tool I ever learned to use. Really? Because it was how my parents bought themselves some extra time to sleep on the weekends. <laughs> right? And they did a little so cereal tutorial, uh, which involved having to cut open the bag, having to learn to pour it and hold the top of the back, right, if it mm-hmm. was a full brand yeah. new one. Both, And the cereal was on the bottom shelf in the cupboard. So we could just deal with it and make ourselves some cereal and watch cartoons or whatever it was going to be. So this was like, this is my first, this is the first kitchen tool I ever learned to use. So much nostalgia and one little gadget. so nice. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I will happily, even I don't actually drink milk, (laughs) but I would love like just the nostalgia connected to it is worth the investment in that piece to sit on my fridge. For sure. Yeah. I'm getting one too. I love it. Thank you. 
So it's time for Curious Kitchen. All right. I'm so curious. Josh, now you will notice I brought some cups. cups, We are going to be drinking a thing today. Okay, okay. It is an alcoholic thing. I hope you're okay with that. I am am very excited. I'm doing a reveal. Ooh. Oh, wow. Can you read the label? No. No. (laughs) Because it is in uh, Chinese. Okay. So this is Bajo. Have you heard of it? I have. Have you had it? No. Well, here we go. Okay. <laughs> this will uh, this bring you back the... in tune with your uh, sense of smell for sure. Amazing. <laughs> so I. It's uh, a little a moonshiny. It's a clear a little... spirit uh, from China, and it literally just bajo means clear spirit. So it's actually a huge family of. Spirits. Got it. Okay. And very commonplace in China, not oh, so much wow. found elsewhere. It's becoming a bit of a thing now uh, with mixologists. <laughs> I uh, just took a big whiff. <laughs> but you know what's so crazy with my weird, my, my weird, my, my emerging sense of smell? Yeah. Is there things that I may not be able to actually smell, but I can feel? Yes. The burn <laughs> the and assault. the intensity? Exactly. <laughs> Woo! I got a good nose of that. Bajo is grain based, very much like beer. Different types are based on different grains. So some okay. are rice-based, some are sorghum-based, some are wheat-based. I believe some have barley in them as well. Mm-hmm. And the main distinction with this kind of uh, spirit is that they make it into these cakes. Sometimes they're tiny little, uh, they take the grain and m- mix it with water, make it either in little balls or some are as big as like a small piece of luggage. Mm-hmm. And they let them sit there and collect various yeast and bacteria and really, you know, happening? ferment okay. in those cakes. And the process differs. You know, again, it's a whole family of spirits, Whoa. but they, they make it out of these fermented cakes. Okay. These, I think we can use the word funky, fermented <laughs> cakes. I think we can. Um, and usually then turned into a, a porridge and distilled and aged. Turned into a porridge. Yes. Man, we really will take the long road for some things, huh? Oh, yes. We really will. That's amazing. It's a tradition that's hundreds of years old. And there's a range. So this is, for your reference, uh, a mid-range. Okay. Uh, I bought this at a grocery store, and it was the higher range of what was there. There were some that costed a tenth of what this one cost, but there are some that cost ten times more than this. Okay. So this is your mid-range. Are you able to smell anything through your... uh, No, but I can definitely feel it. How are we taking this down? Well, I there is the proper way, but I think we should ease in slowly and just right. nose it. What's so, uh, and for listeners, you should know it really just looks like we have two glasses with a bit of water in the bottom. It's crystal clear, right? It is completely clear. There may be a yeah. There's and it's the same viscosity. All of it is exactly like water. Water, but it doesn't quite smell like water. It does not. It's uh, intensely fruity, but not in a fresh fruit kind of way. More in yeah. Um, a candied fruit, right. sort of higher alcohols. <laughs> yes. There's a lot going on there. There's a wow, I see I taste the fruitiness you There's were talking about. And you were bang on pineapple. And it's like fruitcake uh, yeah. fruitiness, not candied banana. Yeah. Like yeah. a like a really candy cherry. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, but wow, if I oh, the warmth. Uh-huh. That one little sip, but the warmth. It's all happening here. There's a lot going on. Wow. Okay. I so, just took a tiny little sip. Mm-hmm. How customarily is this consumed? As a shot. 
And traditionally with a toast. Right. Um, Toast started by the host. Yes. So I guess that's me. Right. (laughs) Do you dare? Uh, I don't I think we need not, to shoot the whole thing, but once I, I think will, a, a a good glug, a good glug Let's is have in a order. Good glug. I will not affront your hospitality because it also changes the flavor. Amazing! This is a intensely complex beverage. So I love it. A toast to our wonderful podcast yes. and to many more. Loving these conversations. So great! Cheers! Cheers! All right. Oh yeah, yeah. Woo! <laughs> and suddenly it tastes like vomit. Well, I no, it tastes uh, grainier. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, now I feel like this is all sort of coming back to me. (laughs) This is reviving some thoughts, right? now Now that I've tasted this, I think I remember hearing... That when Chinese folks drink this properly, they literally just head back and pour it down their throats. I see. So that they so bypasses just the bypassing tongue, just sensory. completely bypassing the tongue and just hitting right to the bloodstream. Yeah, um, which makes sense because that was intense. It's intense. I think there's no escape. I think even if you shot it right I back so too. through retroalfaction, it would come uh, through. I am sure that after two or three, I mm. would be unconcerned about flavor. Yeah. Right. And maybe the good time that's imminently ahead of us mm-hmm. is worth it. Right. It's a, it's a fascinating thing. So, but do, and for do me, the way a, that yeah. the flavor changes from a slow it sip really to a quick does. chug is odd. I've never really had something become more yeah. intense. But, you know, I have to say. In as, complexity. As yeah. it re- that is. That is yeah. a phenomenon that is unique here. But the second bit that we just chugged back. um was less uh, sort of violent than a not-so-great shot of tequila. Right. Right. Right? That, I feel, is a, that's harsher to recover from. Mm-hmm. Right? You have, yeah. there's a distinct moment of regret. <laughs> it's <laughs> when smooth. The harsher tequila, that harsh tequila. It's undeniably it smooth. It is quite smooth yeah. and easy to take down. You just don't know what happened to you after. It's all the flavors. Moment, right? It's all the flavors. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, it, it, like, I may be over-romanticizing the story a little bit, but I have this notion of just, like, family gathering or party or some celebration where this is, which is you know, free-flowing and easily passed around. But that, like, maybe somebody will yell one thing and that means everybody knows it's time to take one <laughs> back, right? And I just imagine a room full of very sort of inspired, jovial people. It is a quite traditional. There's, you know, different types and different areas. Right. And it is, you know, the spirit of China. I mean, it's ubiquitous there. The spirit there. of the China. Spirit of China. <laughs> that sounds good. Well played. <laughs> but we're just discovering it. So I thought it'd be so, fun to so share with you. I thank you. Yeah, thank outside you. of China, it's less known. But thanks to the mixology movement, uh, it's becoming more I'm sure. uh, available. But then that to me is suggesting that this is finding itself into cocktails. It is. It is. I would... Find it challenging to put this Me in a cocktail. Too. It's too many flavors, but it's a lot. Um, there but are some that are them. less intense, yeah. where you can certainly integrate them nicely Ooh. into a cocktail, and you know that certainly adds a complexity and a depth. To oh, man, I can I, smell I, it I, from here. And like, I, I also <laughs> feel like like my "I love you, man" slurred speech is not far away. <laughs> I just took one sip. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hot Plate Pod. Follow me at Beerology on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And follow Joshna at Joshna Maharaj on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you to Joshna for joining us today. Hot Plate is recorded at Eggplant Picture and Sound Studios. Our audio engineer is Brad Tigwell. Original music by Dave Bell. Hot Plate is produced by Mirella Amato, that's me, and Dennis Coyne. That's a wrap. 